Welcome to the Think Podcast with Joel Sedicase. I'm Joel Sedicase, and this is the podcast where we explore impossible questions from a biblical perspective to help you explain, share, and defend your faith. Now, uh, you might notice that my scenery has changed a little bit. That is because I am sitting next to this gorgeous electric fire and um, this beautiful mantle, which my wife and I set up last week and uh, so that I could do these beautiful fireside chats as well as uh, we're going to start hosting small gatherings of guys over here in the Think Institute study. And we're going to be talking about all different kinds of things related to the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview. So for example, later this week, I'm going to be having some guys over and we're going to be talking about a Christian view of metaphysics, the the biblical teaching of prime reality. And we're going to, I'm going to give a little talk on that. And then we're going to have some open discussion and it's going to be a really, really great time. So the Think Institute study is really, really coming together. If you want to be a part of what's going on here, just let me know, shoot me an email at thethink.institute at gmail.com. And while you're tooling around on the internet, sending me an email, go ahead and go on over to thethink.institute and sign up for the Think Update. The Think Update is my weekly update. It's a brief, helpful email with some tools and tips to help you explain, share, and defend your faith. So I'm sending that out every week. And uh, I really hope that it is helpful for you. Now, you may have seen that the title of this podcast episode, uh, this video, is Eight Things That Muslims Need to Know About Christianity. Now, why did I title it that? Why am I talking about that? Well, for the last two years now, in November, um, actually uh, last year in November, this year in December, I had the immense honor of presenting the biblical worldview, of presenting Christianity to a high school freshman history class at a local Muslim high school, a local Muslim academy. And um, I got connected with the the teacher because I did this interfaith panel back in 2016, which was part of something that the Smithsonian Institute was putting together at the Skokie Public Library, uh, which is just north of Chicago. But I participated in this interfaith panel, and I've done uh, another interfaith panel with um, with uh, Muslim leaders and uh, Jewish leaders, uh, another Muslim and uh, Jewish leader, and then myself. I did that uh, in the meantime, but um, I'm sort of uh, sort of um, becoming somewhat of a Christian spokesman in the local Muslim community, um, among the, mo- the local Muslims uh, in this area. And uh, I couldn't be more thrilled about that because, as you know, one of my greatest joys in life is explaining to others, who, especially people who don't believe, what the Christian message is. And so what I wanted to do right now is to open up what I believe with deep conviction, what I believe the Bible teaches, and to just sort of lay out eight things that Muslims need to know. Now, who's my intended audience in this episode? Because I've got a very specific audience. Uh, You guys tend to really enjoy this podcast. You tend to share it. And I really appreciate that. And the audience... Um, the 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 audience is widening. I think that it's growing more diverse. But um, nevertheless, there is pretty much typically a um, a core of folks who like to listen to this. And I'm very grateful for you guys. So in part, this episode is for you so that you can become a little bit more confident in explaining the biblical worldview to the Muslim 
folks in your life, whether they're friends, coworkers, whether it's a teacher, whether it's, uh, you know, the cashier at the grocery store or the guy who cuts your hair, which is my case. Uh, this uh, beautiful uh, coif is done by um, uh, a couple of Muslim guys at Master Haircut right here on the Northwest side. And, uh, and they do a good job. And I've had spiritual conversations with them. I've talked with them about Jesus and about the Christian message and about the gospel. And you know what? You might want to have some conversations that are similar. So this episode is for Christians, but it's also for Muslims who tune in as well. Because what I want to do is I want to explain to you what I explained last year in this the classroom at the Muslim Academy, because I want you to understand the Christian message. Partly because I, I, I'm all about fostering interfaith religious and spiritual dialogue because I think it helps us get along better. I think that's a very important thing. The Bible teaches us to live at peace with all men as much as it depends on us. But then my secondary motivation and my ultimate motivation is I want you to trust in Jesus. I want you to put your faith in the Messiah. And I want you to understand what it means that Jesus actually is the Messiah. So we're going to talk now about eight things Muslims need to know about Christianity. Really quick before we get started, if you enjoy this content and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review and uh, a short blurb just explaining what you appreciate, what you enjoy about the podcast. What that does is that really helps us out, commend the podcast to others who might be looking for uh, something good to listen to on their commute in as part of their morning routine. Uh, or just something to help them get equipped to live a missional lifestyle. That's what we're all about. So please leave us a review. I really, really appreciate it. Many of you have definitely appreciate it. Now, this is based on that presentation that I gave to a class of Muslim students back in 2018. I'm going to follow this up with part two, more things that Muslims need to know about Christianity, but we're going to start with these eight things. So these eight things are this. I'm going to lay them out and then I'll explain them one by one. One, Christianity is a story, a religion, and a relationship. Two, the Christian story of God includes many names that you will recognize, that Muslims will recognize, and points definitively to Jesus. Number three, God created things good and with a purpose in the Christian worldview. Number four, the Bible teaches that man's sin made things go wrong. Number five, Jesus is the necessary sacrifice to make things right again. Number six, Christians view the day of judgment with hope. That might be a little surprising to you. Certain hope. Number seven, you can have a relationship with God, a close personal relationship with God through the Messiah Jesus. And number eight, the gospel is the central message of Christianity, the gospel. Um, you might have heard it called the Injil. Uh, and you might be surprised to know that we actually have not lost the Injil. We know what the Injil is and we uh, we believe it. Now, um, oh, yeah, well, we'll get into we'll get into that a little bit more. So uh, first of all, if you don't know who I am, I am the founder of the Think Institute, and I live here in Chicago with my family, my wife and four kids. I am a former pastor, a former high school teacher, and if you go back far enough, I was in the business world as well. I'm a husband, dad, neighbor, and uh, now I speak, my, uh, spend my time speaking, thinking, writing, and teaching about the biblical worldview and helping believers to explain, share, and defend their faith. Most importantly, I am a follower of Jesus. 
Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. So as you're thinking about this, if you aren't aware of, uh, if you're not a practicing Christian, ask yourself this as we get started. What do you think is the central message of Christianity? Because when I asked that to the students in the, uh, the high school class where I taught this last year, I got very different responses from different students. Some talked about how it's important to be good or, or you know, obey the, um, obey the, the law of God and things like that. But you might be surprised to find out what the actual message, the central message of Christianity is. So now let's talk about that first thing that Muslims need to know, and that is this. Christianity is a story, it's a religion, and it's a relationship. So let's talk about the story first. The story of God includes a lot of names that you might recognize, and it all culminates in the life and mission of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's start with Adam. You may know the name Adam. Um, Adam was the first man ever created. And he was created good. The Bible says that he was actually created in the image of God. And when Adam was created, he was created with uh, a body. He was created with a spirit. And uh, very quickly after the man was created, God created woman. And so you have humanity created in the image of God as unity, as mankind, but also with diversity baked into that as well. So when we say man is created in the image of God, he is a rational being, but he's also representative of unity and diversity as we believe that God is as well, uh, which is what the Bible teaches. God is three and God is one. I'll talk more about that in a future episode. But God was, God created Adam, God created Adam and Eve for intimacy and to glorify God. But Adam fell, Adam sinned. So God made a promise that Adam's offspring, actually the offspring of Eve, which is the same thing, would destroy Satan, would destroy the works of Satan. He said that in Genesis 3.15. Now, the next person in our story I want to talk about is Abraham, or as you might call him, Ibrahim. Ibrahim uh, trusted God and he offered his son. He, um, he was given a sacrifice to offer to God and God made the promise to, um, to Abraham that he, that all the nations of earth would be blessed through him and his offspring. So at one point, God had Abraham, told Abraham to offer his son as a sacrifice. Right before Abraham did this, God stopped him and then provided another sacrifice for him to offer, uh, a ram. Now, this promise, the, the story of Abraham is really incredible because here you have a father preparing to offer his son as a sacrifice, and yet that son is the key to the blessings of all the nations. Now, that theme, those themes are going to come in very uh, they're going to become very familiar as we go in this story because that is a picture of the gospel that we're going to talk about later. Now, next in the story is the story of Moses or Musa. Moses was a lawgiver. This is where the Torah or Taurat comes from. He was a liberator. Uh, we see the story of Moses's liberation in the story of the Passover. We read about that in the book of Exodus. And uh, Moses freed God's people from their slavery in Egypt. Now, the law that Moses gave cannot save. This is a very common misconception, I think, on the part of Muslims. And that is that the law of Moses was given 
as simply as guidelines that uh, that Israel was expected to obey, and therefore they would be saved or they would have eternal life um, and God's blessings through the giving of that law and obedience to it. Now, the law was given, the law is good, and yet the law was given to awake sin and to show how sinful man is. And baked into the law, bound up with the law, was this sacrificial system by which the Israelites would be able to atone for their sin, or at the very least, they represented their atonement. Um, and through the offering of precious animals, pure spotless animals, and the shedding of their blood, the forgiveness of the Israelites was symbolized and uh, for the time being was accomplished. But really those those sacrifices pointed forward to a more perfect sacrifice because the blood of bulls and goats and sheep and, and lambs can't actually take away sin. The blood of an animal cannot atone for the sin of a man. So here you have this law that highlighted sin and a sacrificial system that in its very nature was imperfect to permanently forgive sin. This is why later on a new savior, a new sacrifice, and a new lawgiver was going to need to come. But we're not there yet. Let's talk about David or Dawood. David was a great conquering king. He was a poet and he wrote the Zaburim or the uh, he wrote the Psalms. Uh, I hope I got that word right, the, the Zabur. His descendant, God said, would be the Lord over all forever and would actually be the very son of God. We read about this in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16, Psalm 2, and Psalm 110. Next in the story comes Jonah. Now in the Bible, I'm skipping over a few of these, but I know that these are a lot of the names that our Muslim friends will be able to recognize. Uh, Jonah, also known as Eunice, if you read the story of Jonah in the actual Bible. It's it's different from the the account in the Islamic teaching. But the the story of Jonah in the Bible is really fascinating. Jonah actually disobeyed God, and a lot of Muslims don't know that, and he was disciplined by God by being swallowed by a great sea monster or a, a great fish. And it became a symbol that God will bury and raise the son of man after three days, which is how long Jonah was in the belly of the fish, in order to forgive sinners. So Jonah was was buried uh, for three days, not 40, which is what the Bible, the Bible says, three. Uh, some say that it was 40. But when Jonah was released from the, the belly of the beast, he went and preached to the city of Nineveh, and they repented. And this city that had been filled with God's enemies was saved by the man who was buried for three days and uh, came back, came back to the world of the living. Again, very prophetic, very foreshadowing of what's going to happen later with Jesus. Now, the next person in the story is John the Baptist. Let's talk about him, also known, you might call him Yahya. Now, Yahya announced the Messiah, as was foretold by the other prophets, including the prophet Isaiah, who we haven't talked about. But um, he he announced the Messiah, and he said that the Messiah would forgive the world's sin and take away the sins of the world by becoming a sacrifice, a sacrificial lamb. A sacrificial, uh, you might be familiar with the term kurban, and uh, kurban meaning uh, a, a sacrifice, something offered to God. Now, next in our story is Jesus, or as you might call him, Isa. Jesus is the Messiah. I know Muslims believe that. Jesus is also the Word of God. Now, in the Quran, Jesus is the Word because God spoke and Jesus came into existence. Jesus does have 
a, a, a virgin birth. He did not have an earthly father in both the Bible and the Quran. But the difference is Jesus not only had a unique birth, not only did he have unique teaching and a very unique life, but Jesus also had authority. And Jesus represents the intimacy of God with man because the Bible teaches that Jesus is God. He is actually God the Son. And he's representative of God's intimate presence with humanity. The Bible says that to know Jesus is to know God. Jesus himself said that if you've seen me, Jesus says, you've seen the Father. The Bible says that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. We learn about that in Mark chapter 1, verses 20, verse 27, and chapter 10, verse 45. And there are really only two possible responses to Jesus, hating him or worshiping him. We learn that from John chapter 20, verse 18. So the idea of honoring Jesus as a great prophet, but not worshiping him as God, is not an option that Jesus leaves open to us. And now finally, the story continues with Muhammad. And Muhammad lived 600 years after Jesus. He taught Muslims to believe the previous scriptures, and he taught uh, and to follow the signs. He also taught the people of the Taurat and the people of the Injil, the people of the Torah and the people of the gospel, to go back and consult their previous revelation, their previous scriptures. Well, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Taurat and the Injil, all point toward Jesus. So if you read the Quran, uh, the, the, the author of the Quran says, go back and read the previous revelation. We read about that in Surah 4, 136, and Surah 7, 157, uh, Ayah 157, which is another way of saying chapter and verse, Surah, chapter, Ayah, verse. And in other words, Muhammad himself, if you follow his advice, and his attitude toward the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures, what you will find is that they all point towards Jesus. So the whole story all points to Jesus, to the Messiah. And who is Jesus? Jesus is Lord and Jesus is Savior. So that's the story. Now let's talk about biblical religion. Now um, we're going to look at, at four different things here. Let's start with God's relationship to creation. God is a good God. He created everything good. And the Bible teaches that God is Father, Word, and Holy Spirit. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He created everything good to serve and glorify Him. And He reveals Himself by His works and by His Word. So God is a a self-revealing God. And He actually reveals Himself. Sometimes He speaks through prophets. Sometimes he just speaks directly. Um, God, uh, the next thing that you need to know is that man's sin made everything wrong, everything bad. We call this the doctrine of the fall. See, Adam sinned when he ate the fruit that God said not to eat when he was originally in paradise in the Garden of Eden. And that brought pain and death and sin to humanity. We all sin and we all deserve the punishment for sin, which is God's wrath and God's curse. Third thing is that Jesus is the necessary sacrifice, the kurban needed to make everything good. You see, in the law of Moses, in the Torah, God required sacrifice, but he required that sacrifice to show the Israelites their need of forgiveness. God who is completely just, or as you might call him, Al-Adl, cannot look over sin. He cannot even look at sin, and he certainly can't 
overlook sin. Because God is perfectly just, all sin must be paid for. And so what Jesus came to do was he came to pay man's debt and to forgive. So for everyone who believes in Jesus, Jesus being man can take the wages of sin, which is death. But because Jesus is God in the flesh, he can pay for all of his people. So Jesus came to die for his people and save his people. And now finally, Christians look forward to the day of judgment, the final day, with certain hope. Christians live in this life by the power and the fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit. And we gather to worship and to learn and to serve in what are called local churches. We're going to talk more about that in a future episode. But Jesus will return. Jesus will judge us all by our words and by our deeds. And so if we were just left to our own words and our own deeds and our own good works, no one would pass that test. But God's people will certainly enjoy God's presence forever because Jesus took the penalty for us when he died on the cross for us. Because the wages have been paid to Jesus, we do not have to take those wages on ourselves. And now we can look forward to the day of judgment with certain hope. Now, the enemies of God, everyone who rejects Jesus, everyone who does not believe the gospel, everyone who does not come to Jesus in submission and obedience and find peace with God through Jesus, will go to hell, will face absolute eternal punishment. And God does not mess around when it comes to sin. God does not mess around when it comes to judgment. And because God is just, because God is al-adl, God does not overlook sin. Sin must be dealt with. And the consequences of sin must be meted out. Your good works, the Bible is very clear, cannot pay for your sin. Any more than a serial killer's good works could pay for his his crimes. No, sin deserves death. And if you sin against a perfectly good, perfectly just God, you deserve eternal death. But thank God that he sent his own son to take that punishment for us. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus on the cross. So now, the next thing that you need to know about your uh, the Christian teaching and the, the Christian uh, about Christianity is how to have a relationship with God. The Bible is very clear in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 that Jesus is the key to having a relationship with God. Uh, John 14 6 says that the um, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And you may know this, but the word Christ is that's not his last name. That's he wasn't born to John and or Joseph and Mary Christ. No, uh, Christ means Messiah. It's just Greek. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And Jesus himself spoke those words after he rose from the dead. Again, we'll talk more about the death of Jesus in a future episode. But you need to recognize that all authority in heaven and on earth are his. They do belong to Jesus. And that's okay because Jesus is God. That's not associating a man with God. That is God associating himself with us. So then how can you have a relationship with him? Recognize he has all authority. Express your true desire to submit your life to him alone. This is called repentance. Turning from your sin, turning from desiring to get right with God on your own terms rather than his terms, and submit your life to Jesus alone. Receive him for um, for who he says he is and find your hope in him 
alone. My friends, I would be overjoyed if even one Muslim person listening to this found the ability, given from God, but found the ability to turn from this misconception that your good works add anything to your standing before God. They don't. They can't. Good works are a result of a relationship with God. They do not create a relationship with God because there is no way a sinful person can create a relationship with a perfect God. The separation between you and your creator is infinite because God is infinitely good. So even one sin separates you infinitely from God. So confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, which means that Jesus did lay down his life for your sins, which means that this was God's plan to defeat death, to bring you back from death, to restore your heart and your life to himself because he loves you, and believe that God brought Jesus back to life. In other words, believe the gospel. If you if you will get to that point where you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible is very clear. You will be saved. The last thing that you need to know, number eight, is this. The gospel is the central message of Christianity. Jesus, the Messiah, died according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose according to the scriptures. So he died and then he rose from the dead. The Bible is very clear on this. He wasn't taken to heaven without dying. He wasn't protected from dying. It was necessary that he die so that he could pay the penalty for all his people and take the wages of sin, take the shame of our sin on himself, to take our shame and give us the dignity that comes from being made right before God. Jesus now rules and he saves all who trust in him. Another way of saying this is saying the same way that Jesus said it in his first sermon, his first chutbah. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, if you want to connect with the Think Institute, simply go to thethink.institute. You can sign up for the Think update right there. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Think Podcast, which is what you're listening to right now. If you're watching this video on YouTube, thank you for watching. Please leave us a like, please subscribe, and head on over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player app and give our podcast a listen next time you're driving in your car, waking up in the morning, doing your daily routine. Um, I am here at least once a week to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. And if you're listening to this and you're not yet a believer and you want to know more about how to become a follower of Jesus Christ, shoot me an email at thethink.institute at gmail.com. Now, this is not goodbye. This is simply a little stop along the way. I hope you enjoyed our fireside chat. You can't see it, but I'm surrounded by books right now. I'm in my happy place. I'm in the Think Institute study. And you're going to be seeing a lot more of the Think Institute study as uh, as we go over the next several weeks and months, God willing. And God willing, I'll be back next time to talk with you about more things that Muslims need to know about Christianity. And until next time, I hope it made you think.